Hello and welcome to another edition of Pitching In. I'm Jason Mackey alongside Michael McHenry and we have, as you can see, a very special guest this week, Mr. Dan Zangrilli from 93.7 The Fan, a good friend of Fort and I. Dan, what's going on, my man? How are you? Uh, just uh, just enjoying the offseason. Um, kind of fired up for um, for our boy Jeff Bannister, obviously. Yes. Yeah, the Arizona Diamondbacks, just happy to see that. and uh, We'll see if they can... Uh, it can hang in there, but yeah, just enjoying the off season, seeing what the pirates are going to do. And, uh, got, uh, my fingers in a number of different projects at the, the radio station. So we're staying busy for sure. Awesome, man. So anybody watching, listening to this, you should know Dan's face and voice very well. He does pre and post for pirates broadcasts, does a fantastic job. Some bucko talk, um, in there as well. Dan also handles some sales at 93, seven, the fan, and we work together for my Westminster thing. And he records one heck of a commercial, my yeah. friend, I've gotten lots of uh, lots of kind words on that, so thank you. Um, also, very excited to hear your pirates' opinions. We usually mm-hmm. do this in reverse, where I'll hop on with Dan, and um, I enjoy our chats. Um, sometimes they're too short. Um, I like the longer form. We can kind of expand out, which we're going to do, um, as Fort and I do every week. So, uh, Fort, what's going on with you, man? How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Getting over a little bit of a funk. Um, I think I've been around kids too much and that usually gets me <laughs> sick. Um, I feel like every kid I meet is either getting over it or just getting it. So me being a big little kid, I got it too. And Dan, I'm happy to have you talked with you a bunch, but never in a long format. So this should be a lot of fun. And I, I'm with you and Mackie about Bannister. I'm really excited for him. I'm, I'm happy he's back in the game. It took him a little bit and what a absolute coincidence. He's playing his old team in Texas. I, I love yeah. that too. Hopefully they can extend it tonight. Yeah, so we're recording this on Wednesday night. I'm not going to get the outcome of tonight's game. And, and you know, we're not going to go too hardcore into wins and losses, I don't think. But I, I do think there's plenty to be gleaned from Arizona, how they do business, Texas, how they do business. Not necessarily direct parallels, but we can obviously, no matter the outcome, you're happy for Jeff Bannister, just what a quality human being. You guys have had a much closer uh, lens on him than I have. But I did talk to Banny. Um, Last week, I think, about the whole experience and getting back into it. And just what a fascinating guy, man. Do either of you two have any stories about Bannister? We can start off with that. Uh, plenty, yes. Plenty. Um, and, and by the way, Tony Beasley, shout out there. Because yes. Oh, what a great human. Guys, yeah. Good call. Guys, uh, Beasley came with Bannister when he was the manager at Texas, and, and Beasley's been able to, to stay. And obviously, he's had some some health scares along the way, but yeah, I go back to him, you know, when he was the Altoona curve manager for a long time. So he had some deep ties there when I was the announcer. Um, so yeah, a lot of pirate ties in the world series as there usually are, but yeah, I have a great Jeff Bannister story when he was the, the field coordinator in minor league baseball uh, for the pirates for a number of years, I was coming up as an, as an aspiring play by play guy. And uh, Turner Ward was the manager of the State College Spikes. So, so there's a name drop for you. Um, and anyway, we, we were in Jamestown, New York, which is now defunct. And it's an old ballpark in Ford. I don't know if you ever did the New York Penn League coming up. But uh, there are some ballparks. Um, I mean, but Jamestown was one of those stops. And I was having some fun on the broadcast because you had to climb a ladder to get uh, on a roof to get to the press box. And there was like an old 1996 (laughs) USA Today crumpled up in the corner. And and, and there was, you know, some rodent droppings. I mean, this was like, so I was having some fun with it anyway. But this really ticked off the Jamestown management people because they were listening to it. And 
And one guy was just absolutely undressing me up and down. This is probably right before batting practice started when I got to the ballpark the next day. And I was wearing it. And I was just kind of, you know, okay, I understand. Apologize the whole bit. Well, well, well Banny's, a, you know, Banny's a Texan, right? And, and <laughs> you know, he, he protects his own. And uh, he, he came out and kind of pulled me aside and, and basically said, if you want me to, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And, and he had some people within that ownership group that he was very tight with. So I said, no, 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 don't worry. But for a young guy in his 20s, gosh, what it meant to me that this guy would come to, you know, the announcer part of the traveling party. You know, he was minor league field coordinator for those that don't know. They're pretty high up on the baseball operations food chain. So this was 16, 17 years ago. Um, that obviously meant a lot to me. And I've never forgotten that. And obviously our, our relationship has grown um, ever since then in, in a variety of roles that both he and I have had. Um, and so that's, you know, for, you know, the, the people that do that sort of stuff for you uh, mm-hmm. when you're young, coming up, essentially a nobody uh, in the organization. Um, he's the type of guy that, that, that treats the owner just as, as well as he would, you know, a, a first year ticket taker. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's my, that, that's one of my favorite Banny stories. There are many, but that's, that's one of my first. Your favorite. Banny was going to fight some people for you, Dan. He was. I'm, I'm just a, in a long line of people that he would go scrap for, I'm sure. Yep. And yep. I bet you a lot of folks have the a very, very similar story as to, to what, what I had. And I'll never forget, um, not, not to belabor the point here, guys, and being long-winded, imagine that. Um, when, but right before the wild card game, 10 years ago, one of the uh, – one of the first people I wanted to talk to for our pregame show was Banny because he'd been in the organization so long, what he'd endured. Uh, he was one of those people that there's a lot of people to be happy for when that moment came around in the postseason return to Pittsburgh. You know, your Jim Trudinich's, your Greg Johnson's of the world. Jeff Bannister was right there because he he grinded it out and gutted it out with the organization since the, the day that he was drafted. And um, he was the bench coach there. And it meant a lot to him, his first postseason um appearance in the big leagues being part of that staff and and we did a nice sit down interview and he you know got emotional um and uh it, you know i almost did as well um because it, it showed how much it, it meant to him and you know you knew that at the end of the day no matter where he goes or where he travels he's probably going to be a, a bucko at heart once you you rip that shirt open you know yeah Ben, he's one of the best man one of the best. And so we're going to no get doubt into about that. It. A lot of stuff to get to on this show. Uh, first off, I want to remind you before we get going too much, we're brought to you as always by the North Shore Tavern. If you love baseball, you'll love the North Shore Tavern. The interior is wall-to-wall pirates or appetizers, entrees, cocktails, and of course, steak and seafood on a sizzling lava stone open every day. The North Shore Tavern across from PNC Park is Pittsburgh's home for steak on a stone. So, all right. Banny's in. Hold on, hold on. How was that? How was that? Zangrilli? Was that? Like a seven out of ten, an eight out of ten. You have to do these reads all the time. Yeah, like Mackey's yeah. oh. really taking, you know, a huge step forward in these reads. He's nailing it. So, <laughs> I think let's let's just say I've, you know, it, it, to be a big league promo reader, you know, <laughs> which I am not. Yeah, I'm not. You're hey, hey, we all got to no go way. through the grind. You know what Correct. I mean? I, I would say, work. you know, he is. Um, you're probably double A right now. I mean, you're not rookie ball. You could, you clearly have advanced through many rungs maybe, of the ladder. Maybe you're, you're pat. You listen, you're out of instructs. You know, you're 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 past full season ball. You got yep. your first 140 game season under your belt. Yep. Um, you are capable 
of being one phone call away. <laughs> so you Woo! were one phone call away. All right. And we would feel comfortable with you plugging and playing in the big yep. if heaven forbid 12 guys got injured. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. It was good. That was, that was good. good. That was good. Mike, 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 Mike is going to be very happy. Yeah. And, yeah, that was good. Yep. So, hey, I, I do much better with the like just honesty, talking, not necessarily the reads. Um, I don't know. I'm just I'm not I'm not that formal. I'm not that smooth. Anybody who knows me, I'm not that, you know, I'm much more socially awkward than I am going to sweet talk anybody or anything like that. So I'm, I'm good with double A. I'm, I'm what I'm saying. I'm very good at double A. One call away, Mackie. One, One call, call away. away. That's fine. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. I will. Uh, I will. I will not count on that. I won't give up my day job. We'll put it that way. All right. So let's talk about Banny's employer. Let's talk about Banny's employer more so in relation to the Pirates. And Fort and I got into this a little bit, Dan, uh, last week. And I, I want to get your sort of thoughts on it. And we'll stir the pot with you in the mix a little bit. I don't think they're that far away from the Diamondbacks or a Diamondbacks level season. I think it's going to require some substantial moves this offseason. I think it's very important that they have a very good offseason. I think there's some targeted areas. Um, I don't know. T talk me off that ledge. Tell me I'm wrong. Like, are, are they really yeah. that far away from it? Do you think? No, um, because you know you can have a negative run differential and make the postseason in in the new well said in, in the new constructs of, of of baseball. You can you can fake your way to the postseason and and find yourself further along than the Atlanta Braves, who I think on paper were maybe the best team ever assembled since the late nineties Yankees. Um, that's how good I think they are. And they were obviously one and done. Um, and I'm not so much talking about the diamondbacks because I think their pitching was really good, but like, so the Marlins and I don't take anything away from Miami, but you know, negative run differential, but they figured out a way by hooker crook, smoke and mirror their way into the postseason, And that's not an indictment. That's uh, that's figuring it out and getting yeah. and doing it. And if the Marlins can do it, I think the Pirates can do it. And the Pirates may have done it had they not lost two-fifths of their starting rotation. And if they didn't lose, probably a six-win player, maybe, if everything clicked with O'Neill Cruz. I mean, we could probably say at least a 35-35 and 35 guy um, conservatively. So, yeah, even without some of the significant moves that you might be calling for, Jason, which I still think they, they, they should and could and, and will at the end of the day, make moves and i think it'll be one of the more active off seasons that we've seen in quite some time so the the gap is the eight wins right 84 85 86 should get you a seat at the table and as we've seen with the diamondbacks right anything can happen um even with the rangers to an extent though i think that they're on paper more of a juggernaut and and if you want to use the term deserving of being a world series team but like you know, uh, Dolis Garcia can go, he, even though he's a freak of nature, he can, he can go off. Anybody could go off and carry you at that point. Nick Castellanos, uh, for better or for worse, we saw both ends of the spectrum with Castellanos, how he could carry you. And then if he goes completely, you know, in, in, in the tank, in the dark, as he did there towards the tail end, both ends of the spectrum there. So that's the beauty of the postseason, And that's obviously what baseball wants to create. And I think the Pirates aren't that far away from as many other organizations are of being right there in the mix at the end. Fort, where do you come down on that? I completely agree. I mean, <clears throat> you kind of look at how our roster is constructed and then you compare it to Arizona. 
And you start to think, man, if, if our defense just ticks up a little bit, our pitching kind of solidifies itself and we have enough offense. Yep. I think you're looking at a very similar team. I mean, obviously they have their, their front runner who's pitching tonight, Zach Gallion, but with Mitch Keller getting an opportunity, Oviedo get an opportunity to kind of find their way and get to the head of that staff and then introducing some guys that could possibly step that staff up. I mean, Luis uh, Giolito is a guy we've talked about, um, different guys throughout free agency. And then also I think our AAA team and our AA team are going to have two of the better, at least starting rotations in all of baseball. What happens when you have really good starters in the minor leagues, it pushes guys to the bullpen. And I, I could argue that, if you look at just stuff with our bullpen, just this past year, the stuff trended so far above what we've seen the last couple of years, even with guys that struggled, even young guys that struggled, that we're going to see maybe a team that doesn't look the same on paper a month or two into the season because those guys have a chance to grow. Good players are going to get sit down to AAA, and that's when you know good things start happening. When really good players – are pushed down to AAA because your big league squad is really good. So then you have the depth you need to win ball games. Because even Texas right now, I mean, they're broken. I mean, they've got a lot of guys on the IL. They were up and down with guys on the IL all year, especially some of their better players. But the next guy continually stepped up. And that's what you have to have, especially if you're a small market like the Pirates. Yeah, they need more depth. They need yep. more depth, in my opinion, and, and pitching depth specifically. Um, mm -hmm. That's something I think, and it's going to dovetail into our next point a little bit. And I feel like we've kind of belabored this, but I also feel like it's a very important part with this team. Um, and and so I want to frame it by saying I think there's a lot of pitching depth necessary. I think that's going to be a big part of the offseason. So anyway, uh, Dan and I are texting this afternoon. And he brought up a really good one that I want to introduce now that I think relates to the pitching depth a little bit, but the merits of a first baseman for an offseason acquisition was one of the sort of talking points that Dan suggested here. And I think it's great. I, I go back and forth on the merits of a first baseman for an offseason acquisition. There are days where I think, you know, it makes a lot of sense for them to spend double digit million dollars and, and solidify the offense over there. More days than, than not though, I think I need, I need more pitching. I need more pitching depth. I can skimp at first base. I can try to get a creative solution. I think I know how and where Dan feels about this based on previous conversations. Um, but I'm going to roll the ball to him. Merits of a first Let's baseman go. for offseason acquisition. Talk me into your opinions, Angrelli. What do you got? I, I, I arrived at this conclusion early. And I'm going to go back to our previous point about the pitching depth. You need 10. You need 10. You got to be able to have 10 guys that can start. How many do they have now? Do you think of their ten? Four uh, that can that can start right maybe, now. They, they can start or can start effectively. They can start effectively, well, like John I Mark could Roma start. Did, it doesn't like mean Grant it's going to good. Compton did like Chris Johnson did. I'm going back to 2013 when the Pirates had some attrition, but they had guys throughout the organization that they could just pick up, plug and play, and they could roll out of bed, five and dive, and give you an opportunity to win. The yep. elixir of the 2013 Pirates, and really the, the 13, 14, 15 Pirates, was not being an offensive juggernaut. It's score four and pitch to a three and a half. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's all you got to do. I, I know I'm making that sound so easy, and it's <laughs> trivializing life in the major leagues, but that's what you've got to do. You have to cobble together four runs, and you need to pitch it to a three and a half ERA. If you do that, you're going to be there. And so let's go to the first base situation. Pirates haven't had one since Willie Stargell. So if you really think about it, and with no disrespect to Kevin Young and, and Pedro Alvarez had good years, and Garrett Jones obviously was, was very competent, but as it pertains to 
franchise cornerstone organizational guy, uh, iconic guy. Uh, the Pirates haven't had a first baseman since Willie Stargell. Jeff King had some success there if you go back in, in the annals of history. But the early 90s Pirates really didn't have a first baseman. The mid two thousand Pirates, when they won, didn't have a first base. Okay, to be fair though, I mean we're not we're not saying they have to get Willie Stargell or else. Like there's there's, you know, there's space between, mm -hmm. I don't know, Philip Evans and Willie Stargell. There is, and you could probably <laughs> I hope so. You could probably <laughs> figure that out with the platoon situation, and you could yeah. probably figure that out as they have in the past with two guys to hit one to hit left-handers, one to hit right-handers. Yep. And, and I'm I really like Jared Triola. I, I do. I think he can play. Uh, I mean, I think that it's what he's done, even though it's a very small sample size. And I'm very cautious before I buy into that or jump in those waters with two feet. But I don't think he's fraudulent. I think that he is somebody from an approach perspective, from a barrel perspective, from his pitch selection perspective, just how he gets the foot down at the right time. And he knows when to fire, not to fire. Like he knows how to take in that bat. And I think that he can figure it out and give you enough at first base, and maybe you bring in or, or you supplement that. Where you're going? But like I, I'm good with it. I want every single dime available, invested in pitching. That's additional starting pitching. That's that's relief pitching. Yeah. That's depth options. So I, I saw something thrown out today online about about Hoskins. He cost you 12 million bucks. You probably could get him for a one year deal. He's got a career 850 OPS. All that's fine and good. But I really don't think that they need that. I would rather take that $12 million and split that in half and spend six with one person, six with another person, and get two big league caliber arms. Yep. Whether that's in your rotation or in your bullpen, to help you uh, to build as much pitching depth as you possibly can. So first base for me is not this hot-button topic like it is for everybody else. You're starting to change my mind. Fort, I, you and I started out in a similar place. Are you softening on this? I, I'm with Zan Grilly. Um yeah, you'd spend I, I it all on pitching and let first base go? Well, not let it go. I just don't think there's enough at-bats. And you, you have to assume that some of these guys that offensive juggernauts in the minor leagues, and I'm, and I'm speaking of our two catchers, they need at-bats. First base is a good place to go. We have Connor Joe. We have Triolo. Both guys defensively, I think, are better than most of the guys on the market. Yeah. I would rather have great defense, going back to what – Dan was saying about 13, 14, and 15. You look at that, it was built on good quality guys that could start. You had guys that could hold a front end of the rotation spot and then almost flip at times where that guy could take a break because we had a bunch of guys that were more or less twos and threes at best, and they could step up and be a one every now and then outside of Garrett Cole. So it was nice to have that, but then you did have the Jim R. Gomez's and different guys that could step in you know, through three, four innings, and really you're not missing a beat because if they didn't get that third time through the order, they were great. And a lot of times they could get in that third time of the order, but they really understood where they fit. And I think as these guys, especially these younger pitchers, understand their role, I really think they're going to take a huge step forward. I think there's a lot of identity lost when you get to the big leagues. At first, you're just trying to stick there. A lot of these guys take a step forward. And I really believe the way that they structure pitching nowadays – with all the pitch counts, trying to save all the young arms. We get into the nitty-gritty in September, and we're making a run. All of a sudden, they want to shut down guys, or they want to protect guys. You have depth when you spend a little bit of money. That's the advantage of being able to go out, even get a Keuchel. Let him throw 200 innings and just say, whatever, dude. You're yeah. going to just throw, throw, and throw, and fill in space. But you can also send that guy to AAA if you're paying him.
because he'll accept his assignment. We saw that all year with Miguel Aguilar. And I think that's something Sherrington, when he first came here, I asked him about, hey, are you going to do some similarities to Boston and up this ability to sign minor league free agents, get some big big wigs into that payroll? And absolutely did it last year. He's going to do it again. And I think he'll just up it because he wants those in-between guys that can fill in spots. One of the things that I don't love about this idea and that has kind of held me back from thinking this way is just like Jared Triolo is too similar to like, I don't know, he and Henry Davis, or how are you going to work lefty righty, right? Like Jared Triolo and Connor Joe are similar bats. If somebody hit left-handed, I think I'd be a lot more amenable to a split like that. But, but. I'd have I to guess, look up Triolo's numbers against right-handed pitching. I think he fares pretty good against right. He does. He does. Yeah, he I don't. Does. I don't think it's drastic one way or another, Dan. I'm just saying it's not yeah. a. It's not a perfect like platoon marriage. But you know, if you want to get a left-handed bat in there, I guess to what Fort's saying, could you maybe think more about rotating Endy and Henry a little bit more liberally behind the plate? Put Endy at first base, gets his bat in the lineup. I guess. I mean, the other the other aspect here, too, is like if Jared Triolo is really good, just leave that runway available, right? Like just let him play, let him go. We know he's going to handle it defensively. There's no concern there. I just – yeah. I, I don't want there every day, though. I'll, I'll say that. You don't want him every day? I, I don't because outside of third base and catcher, anywhere you put him, maybe center field, too, because I haven't seen him play center. But I would argue that he's our best defender anywhere you put him except three positions. Yeah. So I want him floating around – and you're right, but, I mean, getting you're not, at bats, right? Yeah, I think that's I mean, where his value is. I'm with you, but I mean, I'm not taking O'Neill Cruz off of anywhere. I'm not taking no. Brian Hayes off of anywhere. Reynolds and Jack are going to play most days. Right. I, I think they've got to get Henry a lot of reps in right field just because I, I think he needs them. I think mm-hmm. it's going to get less ugly with more time. Um, and it's it's kind of a tough equation to make it all work. Yeah, and he's got to get behind the plate too, in my opinion, to make it all yeah. make sense bringing back Andrew, just the the way the roster is kind of constructing itself, you're going to have to be able to do that. And then you have assets that you can trade and maybe go get some arms that are maybe controllable for a while. And yeah. I, I'm not opposed to trading for a first baseman. We've talked about the Twins' first baseman. I'd love to hear Dan's thought on that at Pittsburgher. But if you could get an asset that you could maybe have as a staple at first base, that's a little bit different. That's here for a couple of years. But to go out and get Hoskins – off of ACL for 12 or 13 million. I don't want that. Punch me in the face. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. All right, cool. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. If you're going to get an organizational guy with contractual control, that's going to be a a longstanding bat in the lineup and they just happen to play first base. Sure. I'm with that. So long as you're not trading away pitching depth, (laughs) Yeah, that's probably going to cost you pitching. So that's Mm -hmm. the other side of, of that, I, I don't know of any position players that you'd want to part with or on the roster going through it that you could package together. Um, maybe if you're trading from an area of strength, which would be some of your middle infielders, that potentially could make sense. But you know, thinking on the other side of that, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm not. Uh, I guess I come from that from a lens of uh, of the whatever pot of money that they have this off season, whether that's. And I think it's going to be. It's going to be north of forty-five million. They spent thirty last mm-hmm. off-season. I think it's going to be more than fifty. In fact, so they're going to spend some some money. Whoa, 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 whoa! Let's slow it down. You think the Pirates are going to spend fifty million dollars this offseason? I, I came up to a similar number. I'd love to hear how, how you got to that. I just, I mean, I, I think that that's. I wow. Think, I, I've heard that there's some motivation. Mm-hmm. Put it that way. If I think there's motivation, but I mean, fifty million is not I mean, motivation, I, as in like 
going to reach in my pocket and I'm going to and I'm going to do that because Good. I think that they're at a, at a time to do that. And, you know, like the narratives are out there that they don't do anything. They don't make moves and they don't spend money. I mean, the, the money is is one thing. Um, but they've always if you look at the transaction wires in 13, 14, especially 15, they made tons of moves. And they took on a good chunk of payroll midway through the year to improve yeah. their roster. They will do that, and I, th- I think the owner's a little restless. I think he 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 he's he's ready. He's ready to well, see good. thing ad- advance. I mean, you can't look. And Fortnite got into this last week a little bit. You can't look at the Diamondbacks and the Rangers and go from twenty one hundred losses in two thousand twenty one to right now. And if you're the Pirates, given what they, I mean, next year has to be it. You've got to play winning baseball. You've got a challenge for a playoff spot. There's, there's no, you can't preach patience to anybody. You've got to do what you've got to do to make the team better. Now, I mean, I would certainly do that within the confines of what they have built. I understand that. Like, I'm probably not going to go sign a second baseman because I want to see with Gonzalez, Pagaro. You know, I don't want to block playing time there. I want to let those guys develop. I'm not going to waste my time on a catcher because I want to see Andy and Henry. So, like, calculated areas, but like we're talking about probably pitching. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there should be urgency. I'm just a little surprised to hear a number like 50 million thrown out. That's all. I mean, they spent, th- I mean, that's only 20, 20 more than they spent last year. And, and it's on, yeah, it's on track I mean, to getting yeah. to that 13, 14, 15 number more consistently. Gates and, and anytime that they've had good attendance numbers, payroll has always gone up. They're their highest payroll ever, Jason, as you know, is 2016. Right. After they had, I mean, and anybody, that's a hundred million dollar payroll. I, well, it was even more than that. It was closer, yeah. to, what one twenty five. Anyway, but they, if, if yeah. they come to the ballpark, I'm not putting this on the fans or anything like that. But if uh, you just just look at past payrolls and commensurate to attendance the prior year, yeah, payroll has been directly tied to it. All right. Also, yeah. have guaranteed TV money from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, last year, they they took a hit from you know making that arrangement or however they bargained out that Warner deal that at and set up that they didn't pay full. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays Fort, into it all. The, can you Probably. get the TV thing set up by the way, Fort? What do you talking, mean? Just get it signed, get it fi- figured out what they're going to do. Get, get some ducks in a row. Let's go. Man, they yeah, just keep everything. Hush, hush. I hate it, man. I really, really do. Good. Just, you know, you know, bring people to the table and you, you be the mediator for all of that. Right. Hey, we're going to get this done. <laughs> I would love to. Yeah. Absolutely. None, love none to. of you are leaving here until we have a contract and and we know where where and what we're doing. I'd so like I just to... hulk out on him and say yes. you can't leave. I love it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. 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 You you have one mean bone in your body, I think. Some actually, you probably don't. But I was going to say you find that mean bone and then pound on the table and get it done. done. If somebody threw it, if somebody threw it, his guys. He, I think that's or, true. Or, that's or, true. I'm I'm a protector. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Aside from that, he's a big teddy bear. This is true. All right. So I got two quick questions for you guys. 22, Kutch. Obviously, you know him, both know him pretty well. Are you sort of surprised that we haven't heard anything, or is this totally normal that we haven't heard anything about a potential return? What do you guys think? I mean, I think we have, haven't we? I mean, that, that they pretty much painted themselves into a corner towards the end of the year, and you may have been part of that, Jason, and getting them so. Uh, I agree with that. What did I do? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I – I think that wait, wait, what, what did I do? How did I paint them? Yeah, camera? didn't you ask a question uh, of uh, of Kutch coming back? And they, I mean, they essentially said things that they don't normally say. They usually, yeah, like I, I asked nothing about it. He said Kutch will be a pirate as long as he wants to be a pirate. I think Ben even said something similar along yeah. those lines. And 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 Shelton has kind of, I think, fallen in line with that. And and typically, yeah. 
when similar questions are asked about free agent or any player sign. I mean, they obviously are as ambiguous as they possibly can be, so they can, you know, wiggle out of it this way. No. So, so yeah, they, they often don't take, <laughs> listen. They often don't take the paintbrush, dip it in the paint can, and then paint themselves into the corner. But for this guy, understandably, rightfully so, they did as they should. So I, I think that. I mean, he'll probably come back. I wonder if they'll even have a contract. I think it's so. I think there's enough trust in the place in each other that they could come back on a handshake deal. Hmm. Like, I mean, uh, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if there were even agents involved. I yeah, think it might not be. It might just be Bob you know, and Andrew. You, you know, you know the guy. I mean, I think that everybody's in a good spot and everybody understands what they need out of the other. That. You know, it, it, it's an is what it is situation. They want him back. They realize the value in so many different fronts that he brings. And they realize that he finds value in being here and being at home. And and obviously, you know, he's 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 building upon an already incredible legacy. That's, I think, important to him because he's obviously 10 steps ahead of what life after baseball looks like and how that involves Pittsburgh. And he wants to make sure that this doesn't end with you know, him playing for the Angels or something like that for two months. Yeah. He wants to doff his cap, hopefully. In, in, in but, a- I mean, this has to be it, right, guys? Like, they, they have to come to an agreement that, that – Well, yeah, this, it's he, probably going to be – I think he should get a pay raise. I don't know if he's going to take a pay cut. I think he's worth $7 million bucks on a one-year deal. I think he's worth he, – he, he outperformed his five. I think what, if, if you want to take what he did last year, taking an elite at-bat, He's gone from savage to savant in that batter's box, like a pitcher who doesn't well throw seven anymore, but they can dot their corners and hit every quadrant of the strike zone with an 88 mile an hour nasty two seamer. Like that's how he's the offensive version of that, how he stretches at bats, uh, how he I mean, he, he's extremely productive offensively and how he takes his at bats and obviously the OBP. I mean, you, you want probably a little more offensive production in the way of true OPS, but that wasn't even in, in a bad spot as well. He walked a ton, but he's an elite offensive hitter. His hitting acumen is great. He, he still has good bat speed. The sprint speed is in a great space. He knows how to handle his body um, well, and he's able to navigate what he has left and maximize the most out of it. He's You can make an argument that he was one of the top three best players for the Pirates last year. that's worth a $2 million raise, number one. And and if he keeps on doing that, if he does something similar this year as to what he did last year, I wouldn't put 2025 uh, out out of the equation. (sighs) Now, listen, father time catches up with everybody. Yeah. But will that happen? But Dan, he can't play the field. He can't play the field. He might might be able to. He was banged up last year. He He was. He was very banged up. He was very banged up, but I, and again, I believe me, I consider covering Andrew McCutcheon one of the the biggest professional thrills I have had and will ever have. Like I could not have more respect for the guy, but I guess going into this sort of pot of stew for me, like they don't want to have one designated hitter, one guy who just does that. Like they want to rotate guys through and use that as a rest spot, a half day off matchups, all this stuff. Kutch kind of doesn't allow for that. Um, and you're also hedging your bets that the productive at bats that you're talking about this season, Dan, and I don't disagree with the word of that, are going to continue post Achilles, you know, dealt with the elbow, dealt with the knee. Like he finished the year banged up. And like, I, 
if if I'm nutting, I don't blame or you know, if I, I wouldn't blame nutting, I wouldn't blame the pirates for saying, like, look, I'm I want to bring Kutch back, but it's not an open-ended invitation here. If I'm gonna take, you know, I want to turn this roster spot over, and if I'm gonna get crushed by fans, I might as well get crushed by fans now if you're gonna keep wanting to play. So, like, we need to figure out how long you want to do this, and then we're gonna make decisions inside of that. Is that for so do I, I don't understand? Like everybody has kind of and I'm not saying that you are, Jason, but why is this being framed as such a square peg round hole and then we're forcing it into the square peg round hole? I don't think it's that. Oh, well, because my, it, our, my I don't think we've gotten to that that play. That what you're suggesting, I don't think we're there yet. That's not to say that we couldn't be there by June of 2024. That very much could be a possibility. Yeah. I also do think that that elbow was a big issue for him last year and he could oh, sure. not throw he could not throw a baseball yeah. if he could have he would have played more right field and everything that you are suggesting here and saying that you know happened and it did happen right they were able to get away with it easier and gloss over it in a much easier fashion in 23 might not be able to do that in 24 then it's a, a more difficult conversation frankly then we're probably looking at phantom trips to the injured list uh to to create and open up the roster that's where I think it goes, uh, Jason, before it goes with them moving on completely. Or I think it, it moves to him becoming more of a part-time player. But yeah, um, but I, I don't think it's so much of, well, he's a DH and we're manipulating every other chess piece around him and the so no, no i don't i don't think it's that and i guess i presented my argument wrong if that's what i it sounded like i'm saying i just don't think that that's something they're going to want to continue to have I, I don't think they would sign up for that and right now, assuming, frankly, in 2025. That's under, that's under the presumption that it's going to be that way. Correct. Yes. And I'm not sure that it's going to be. I yeah. think that we will all be pleasantly surprised in, in 24. Fort, break a tie and talk some sense into us, please. Cutch <laughs> um, wasn't himself all year. He made some big adjustments. Elbow was a problem offensively as much as it was defensively because uh, he couldn't get full extension with that top hand. Um, the, the Achilles is an issue. Um, that's not an easy trek back, but he's better when he plays in the field. Now you can't overexpose him. He understands that that balance is really important, but I do think if he's playing right field, left field, and could occasionally touch center field, your team's better. Um, cause his presence in the outfield is more of a communicator. I would say even a savant is a great way to put it. He's not trying to do it with his legs, with his arm, with anything like he used to, he understands, you know, the reads off the bat, doing things that are really small. And what he did for Swinsky last year and Brian Reynolds poured into them and Oviedo, there's a huge need for that, but he needs yep. a balancing character. And I, I've used Kevin Kiermaier, somebody that's also vocal, Kutch is learning how to be vocal. He's more of a walk-the-walk type guy. But, yeah, I think he makes your team better no matter what. And if he does come in next year, it does his thing. Even if it is similar, I think it could be better. Um, he would be back, in my opinion, in 2025. He wants to win the championship. I know that for a fact. That's what he wants to leave his legacy on when it comes to Pittsburgh. He wants to leave here a champion. So I I don't necessarily know if that's when he would retire. That's when he wants to walk away. But if you look him in the eye, he he knows he has more. He wants more, and he's not satisfied at all, which is really cool to see from a guy like him. And let me ask you this, Fort, and, and just and I don't think he will. He's also a prideful guy, right? Yeah. Um, if and and his body will talk to him. And I think it will tell the story. And I think he's fairly self-aware. 
-hmm. I don't think he's completely lost. I don't think we're going to see a diminishing Andrew McCutcheon, you know, almost like we saw Miguel Cabrera kind of hanging on there at at the end. Um, You know, he would, if if 2024 does not go the way that he would expect, I think that, that Kutch would gracefully bow out on his own. Yeah. He, he can see the writing on the wall as good as anybody. He knows he has more in the tank, and that's why he's pushing so hard. That's why he wants to stay here because he doesn't want to go somewhere else. Um, he'll get opportunities. People are going to call, um, I would say, in the next month. The, there's going to be teams calling trying to pull him away for a $7 million contract with incentives. But I think he's willing to take less money here to stay here at home and also give the Pirates an opportunity to go out and get better players and give them a better opportunity to win. And I think he's even willing to get vocal for that if you ask him. So I think he's just a – unbelievable guy to have on your side because when people look at him, they see the pirates. And I think free agents are going to want to come here after last year, seeing the way the fans treated him, the city treated him, the players respect him. And I just think he's a staple. I just think last year was a lot for him, you know, taking on all the media, all the young players kind of being the in-between that he's never been. That was always someone else. I think he'll find that balance coming here and be better for it. All of this is noise, by the way. I mean, like, if you step back and look at this, the big picture, they just can't not have Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah, it's a win win win. And I'd (laughs) argue you guys all day long. I just, it it would be probably the dumbest thing they could possibly do to not bring him back. It's like Cincinnati and Envato, in my opinion. Last year, that guy put himself on the IL. They weren't going to tell him not not to play. He said, I'm not ready. He went to the IL, figured it out, and came back. That's what Andrew would do. If yeah. he knew he wasn't ready and he wasn't ready to play, he'd throw himself on the aisle, figure it out, and get back on the aisle. Of course, if he thinks he can play and he can help the team, which just about every second he was out on the field he was able to, yeah, he's going to get out there and play with a broken limb, an ear falling off, and you're not going to get that from the young guys. That's a little bit different. So I think you're right. Like He's, he's I mean, better you, you, for this You just team. don't let Andrew McCutcheon – Live well, off the field, one homer shy of 300, and have that be the last memory. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Just no. Listen, and this all helps because both people were smart uh, on each side. Yeah. The organization McCutcheon. And they're not only thinking about 2024. They're also thinking about 2034. And they can look across the street, and they can figure out and see and learn from maybe some organizational errors with other franchises can, can you imagine like the, the Steelers have an icy relationship with Terry Bradshaw <laughs> that the, the new situation with the Fenway sports group is not great for the Pittsburgh Penguins Troy Polamalu I mean I, I don't know if he answers the, the the phone the phone um and I think the Pirates have learned from that they want to make sure that they're not in a situation if they can so help it they're going to do everything in their power to make every concession available because this guy, especially if the pirates win again with him on the roster, I think the number retirement is a foregone conclusion. I'll start there. But if he does something special in the way of postseason ball and being a part of two runs, we, and people might think it's crazy and blasphemous, but we got to start talking about something in bronze 10, 15, 20 years from now in and around the, the North shore. I, I might be in the minority there, but as time moves away, and especially if this thing ends as rosy as both people are trying to to, to end it, 
um, whether it's this year or 25 or, or who knows how it goes, this is a, a long game that's being played for, for, for generations by both sides. So they'll figure it out somehow, some way. And I think when you have two very smart people for their own vested interests, they, they will figure it out and they'll come to a, an agreement that that plays well, that is in the history books as the way it should be written. I hope so. I'll say that. I hope so. I hope All so. right. All right. Let's get to one more topic. Is that cool? Can we do that? Yeah. Do you got you guys all right? Absolutely. Uh, That's great. Something else Dan suggested I thought was really good, and I wanted to get Fort's perspective on this too. It's topical relative to the World Series. We're seeing an opener in the World Series. Um, I want to get to how much is too much with that. Also, want to talk a little bit about game scripts. Um, it's something the Pirates do. I think that's something that's kind of gotten them in trouble a little bit. I mean, it's certainly, I give the Pirates and Derek Shelton and his staff a lot of credit for how prepared they are. I think there were times this season where maybe they were a little bit too prepared and they're making moves based on all that stuff. Uh, so have a couple questions for the guys and then we'll wrap up. First, wanted to tell you, though, about the Great Yinzer Tailgate. Brings the best of the Berg to South Point on November 4th, just a couple days away, showcasing Pittsburgh's rich culture, iconic sports history, and vibrant community spirit. The Great Yinzer Tailgate will immerse you in a unique blend of traditions that make Pittsburgh legendary. You can visit www.theinzertailgate.com for details, and we'll see Yins there. So, okay, let's start with the opening stuff. You can make that, but I got to take a phone call. Jason, you're going to AAA. Oh! Going to AAA. Oh! Yeah, it was the uh, – Very nice. That was the uh, big Thank league you. promo reader staff. They they promoted you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Congrats. Uh, Congrats. Live on air. Very yeah. nice. Love it. All right. So I don't have any problem with the opener in the World Series. Um, I, I don't like the opener three-fifths through the starting rotation. I don't think the Pirates did. That was more out of necessity than desire. Um. Do you guys have a problem with the opener in the World Series? I know uh, Tyler Kepner from The Athletic, formerly of the New York Times, wrote a column saying, like, the World Series deserves better. Uh, do you guys have an issue with it? If it's the best strategy for me, put it in the game. I don't know. I mean, you, Tampa Bay did it, and it worked, right? And then everybody kind of – that's how kind of the opener was derived, and everybody fell in love with it because they saw it play out in the postseason. But I, I would agree in a vacuum uh, with Tyler's sentiment. Because I, I was watching, I, I, I'm paid to follow baseball, and there were guys that were out there on the mound that I really had no idea who they were, and otherwise wouldn't have known who they were, um, uh, unless I was doing my advanced research for the series. So yes, the World Series deserves better, and I think that the rating that last night's World Series got, which was the lowest rated in years, uh, is commensurate uh, with what with with how that played out like no, nobody wants to see that remember world series you're bringing in joe average fan or people that aren't even baseball fans so you want to see a dog out there on the mound and you want to see you know like a, a name brand um they they, they don't want to see saber ball in, in that situation so yeah the in a vacuum does a world series deserve better yes and i also just think practically like I mean, you're you're behind, obviously, in the series, so you're going to need as many bullets as you possibly can. And I I don't I don't like it. I don't understand it. Uh, just in a vacuum, I'll stay high level with it. Like no, like sure. just give me give me a hoss. I want to see a hoss out there. All right, hoss. What do you got? Um, they need to do a better job of explaining what it is and why they're doing it. 
Um, yep. I, I'm not a big I agree believer with that in running away from what you've done almost all season. Put a lot of guys that pitch late in ball games and put them in early in the ball games, changes up their entire focus, the routine, everything else. So it was really no surprise to watch them kind of fall apart last night and give up a bunch of runs when they haven't been. Their bullpen's in really, really good almost all season and the postseason. So I think from a coaching perspective, I, I, I think it was the wrong move. I'd rather see a guy go on short rest that's willing to do it than, you know, throw out that bullpen day. Throw out a guy that can throw three innings, you know, that's just getting the start. And you don't even have to call it a bullpen day. But I think that just gives everybody a peace of mind that they didn't have yesterday because everyone's on edge. Like the difference between Tampa Bay and even what the Pirates did this year, why it was more successful is they started doing the minor leagues. They started doing it during the yep. season. So if they threw that out at you, even when Milwaukee did it in the postseason, they were trying to win a postseason with just their bullpen. It obviously didn't work, but <clears throat> it made sense. And they explained it to the fans. It was already a part of their system. And nobody was really surprised by it with, with the Diamondbacks. It was just like, this is our last hope. We're going to throw this out there. And then really no explanation. I, I don't think that's ever going to work. And I'm a true believer in that old school baseball. You have to have good starting pitching to win ball games because no matter what, that bullpen, we've watched it in Pittsburgh the last couple of years, gets destroyed if not. Yeah. And I, that's, that's it. I mean, that's bottom line. I'm, I mean, I certainly agree with Dan. I would rather have five <laughs> tosses in my rotation and just pick from those and lean on those guys. I just think it's so difficult anymore to achieve that level of starting pitching consistently from wire to wire, avoid arm injuries, especially for a team in the Pirates budgetary situation. It just doesn't make sense. That's really hard to do. Well, that's why the teams that win the World, World Series usually are the teams that have the starting pitchers with the biggest balls. Uh, let me just put it out. But that, you have to be allowed to grow those balls, right, Dan? That's a great point. That's a great point. Um, Madison Bumgarner in 2014. You need to be legend. Legendary players become legends because they do legendary things in yep. the postseason. They do abnormal stuff. Evaldi uh, is a great example. A guy pitching tonight. I mean, I know he I'm has a trouble walking to the mound from what I've heard of how big his balls are. Yeah, that, that's true. Put him in a wheelbarrow. Wheel him up there, buddy. Sock, <laughs> whatever you got to do, uh, even if it's a bloody sock. Kurt Schilling, say what you want, man. He and Randy, jo I mean, this is like this is old man. Get off my lawn stuff. But the Diamondbacks of all franchises won the World Series in 2001 because Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling pitched twice in those seven games. So four of the seven games, Johnson and Schilling pitched. Bumgarner did abnormal, legendary stuff, tucked it in the sock, and then that was like 2014. Like that's and and he's being considered for the Hall of Fame in an otherwise non-Hall of Fame career because of all of the things that he did in the postseason. Um, so that's incumbent on uh, people fighting their manager in the clubhouse to take the ball from them. Literally, mm. punch your manager in the face and, and steal the ball off them. Like that's, but that's what it sometimes takes for You've been in clubhouses. Absolutely. There be knock down, drag it out. There needs to be a mutiny sometimes in the clubhouse for that to occur. And it's those galvanizing moments at these particular times that are, are most important rather than people sitting idly by looking for, you know. Oh, man. I thought I was going to the big leagues there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> You're exactly right, though. Looking at your cards. Yep. Get the iPad. And then, they, then, then they're going to do the tuck in the shirt here. Right. <laughs> you know? You're right. You're exactly right. I mean, there, there's something to be said about that eye test, right? 
Yeah. Like you can watch a guy and say, he's still got it today. And there's some days you can see three innings in this guy does not have it. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they were even talking today about Zach Gowan having a short leash bothered me. That yeah. guy should think he's going out and going nine innings, period. It's yeah. his ball. You're going to have to pry it from my hands, especially if I'm throwing well. And he is throwing well right now. Well, I mean, that's the, the last point that I'd, I'd bring up, and we'll just finish the discussion on this. I just think sometimes you go into games with a preconceived notion what this is going to be, if it's going to be a short start, if it's going to be a bullpen game, if it's going to be this or that. I think we've gotten away in baseball from letting baseball just be baseball. We've yeah, gotten away from take the ball. If you're good, you're going to continue until you're no longer good or there are problems. And then we'll bring the bullpen in. It, it's it, I feel like this is true in all walks of life, but we're just overcomplicating the heck out of it. Here's where I come down. On this yes. Sport. So, I mean, for you've spent your entire life in baseball. Uh -huh. I've spent a good chunk of my life in baseball. It's how I made my living and how I bought my house and the, the whole nine yards. I feel like I have or had a pretty deep understanding of the game and its inner workings. Each year, each passing year, and I don't feel it's because I'm I'm, I'm lazy or I'm just a baseball illiterate, but I feel disconnected from the sport a little bit more each year. And I feel that it's, uh, I'm losing touch with actually done and the true inner workings, the deep understanding that you need to, you know, do the job that I have and to, to keep up on it. I mean, and this isn't just like learning how to navigate fan grabs. This is uh, learning all of the inner workings of, of laboratories up in, in, in Washington. Um, you know what I mean? With, with, with the driveline technology and movement of the body, I mean, the, the mental skills side of things. Um, and now we're talking, getting into the scripting sort of stuff. Like, uh, I mean, uh, if I'm feeling that way, somebody who is connected and makes his living in the game of baseball, essentially, how does Joe L. Smith down the street feel? How accessible is this sport? To him, if we if it's a hard sport to understand, uh, how much can they connect with the sport? If they don't feel that connection to the sport and it's beyond their level of comprehension or they have no idea how things are being done, why they're being done or even who's doing them in the way of legacy, familiar players, you're just going to they're just going to move on to something else. They're going to spend their time elsewhere, another sport or maybe even out of that sport. So for me to feel that way at times, I think to myself, oh, my gosh, projected on the mailman that delivers my mail, that, that's you got to be careful there with the sport. It's well said. It's, it's becoming non-relevant for some people, all the moves and all the different pieces that are being put at play and then not explained. I mean, I, I'll say that until I'm blue in the face. Me and Mackie have talked about it a bunch. And you guys are two of the better ones and, you know, especially this part of the region, if not the entire country, at understanding the game, getting it out in a format that the general reader can understand, a general listener can understand. But that's not happening everywhere. People don't understand it. They don't really even want to try to understand it because the way it's being presented to them. It's like, oh, we know better. We're smarter. And yeah. then there's always an answer with a blanket over it instead of like, you know what? We messed up. You know, we, we, we made a mistake. And then the players – don't give their full throttle answer that they should until the postseason comes when guys get pissed. Yeah. Because that is your legacy. You know, when you are losing in the postseason, there's no reason Kershaw is not banging his head against the wall right now of trying to figure out what's going on. 
to 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 make his legacy really grow in the postseason. I mean, it's just been bad luck. He was tipping his pitches this year, from what I've heard. But like, you got to figure those things out. And if it's this scripted thing, or if it's the way you're going to turn the lineup over after you know two times through, you need to start explaining it better to the fans because they deserve it. And also, the players don't get it. A lot of the guys I talk to don't even have a clue what's going on. They're just told this. This is the this is the roundabout reason, but there's no depth to it. They need to ask more questions. They need to have some pushback. Fall in line and just you know do what we say. And I think even the managers in their front offices feel Sometimes. that to a certain extent. And mm-hmm. um, man, it's uh. But ha- here, here's what gives me hope, though, Jason. Everything in this game is cyclical. Yep. And it'll it, come back. And it will come back the other way because we'll realize we as a society, baseball society, that is, we'll realize that. We're, we're we're screwing this up and it's the game is really like the economy you try to mess with it you try to enforce this policy or that thing on it or do this or do that to it water always finds its own level baseball is such a brilliant game in that it will always self-correct if that makes sense and it always exposes the frauds you know what i mean yep. it, it, those that play it those that cover it the, the whole yep. nine cards yep. that's the beauty of yep. one that that whole so that's what gives me hope and that was kind of it was kind of cool to see ron washington's name floated around you know true old school about that a 71 year old bring him back baby that that might that might manage the houston astros and a guy like bruce bochi you know they they zigged when everybody zagged and they said you know what this guy's going to be our manager for the texas rangers and what you know and here they are in the series look at the atlanta braves you talked about their constructed lineup oh roster their coaching staff's the same way i think it's one of the best in the systems period you look at the balance they have and they have a bunch of guys that are old school, but they also have the new school approach and they're willing to all grow from each other, which I absolutely love. Yeah. And that's at the end of the day, egos need to be pushed aside. The whole power struggle and that dynamic that's always doing this in the game between the ivory tower within the ivory tower down to the dugout. I mean, you, you have to have more so than ever some really special personalities in place more than you do have, you know, these geniuses because it's the personalities at the end of the day that will will win the day for you i think amen all right well, well we smart people i promise will calm it down those of us <laughs> who are just sometimes a little bit too smart for the rest of you we will do our best to to ease off in 2024 sorry to make it such a big yeah, thing stop with the algorithms too. jason just i stop know it. i know i know checkers I can, baby not i check. can get Checker. carried away oh i wish i had a pen i would click it in my hoodie here just to make things really happy so. <laughs> all right we're gonna wrap yeah, on great. that yeah. <laughs> yeah. i love that you have cards just like about to give a speech i love it well, it's, yeah. it's hilarious i reuse these cards. it's so funny um like these are all old promos from my days of West Virginia. Nice. And uh, I use. See, he back- still practices, Jason. You see that? That's why he's a big leaguer. Yeah, so, that's, that's it right there. <laughs> oh, this is a competing. This is a competing uh, en- entity here. Here you go. Um, yeah, all, all this good stuff here. How about this? Here, here here's it. Here's a beer advertisement. Here's mm-hmm. a Molson Coors. Read the promo, Jason. It's made to chill. That's right. All right. Uh, make sure you guys like, subscribe. You can get this and all kinds of content. Steelers, Penguins, Pirates, Pitt, the whole deal. Uh, more so, thank you very much to Dan Zangrilli. Thank you very much to Fort McHenry. Guys, this has been a pleasure. Seriously, thank you. I mean, I, I, where's the steak on the stone? I thought I got one of these. Eventually. <laughs> Amen. That, Let's go. Yeah. Where's the red meat? <laughs> What's that? Where's the red meat? 
I know. I know. I, we will. We will get there. We will get there. I'll text you separately. Fort owes me dinner. Not paying for me, but we we were trying to do that like two weeks ago. And then we lost it last week. So let's do get, it. Get better, buddy, and then we'll we'll make it the three of us. I'm I'm let's all all in to go down there. So thank you very much. Um, you've been watching, listening to pitching in, and we'll talk to y'all next week. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you enjoyed the video, please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our Apple Podcast channel for more podcast content. Click below for a special deal of 99 cents for a three-month subscription to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette.